has the dreaded flu enveloped your household yet? I know it's, oh my goodness, it's just, it's everywhere. Um, RSV and also the uh, COVID as well. Ontario officials are saying that kids are under more pressure than ever because of everything flying around. And then you have, you know, daycare and school and all of the germs. Family physician Dr. Nadia Alam is here to give us the lowdown on where things are at when it comes to this horrific season we're all experiencing. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Nadia. Thank you very much, Maggie. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So the good news is that it seems like RSV infections are stabilizing across our country. Is this correct? Yes, it is, which is... For many, many parents, uh, welcome news. Yeah. However, influenza A is beginning to spike. So oh. we're not quite out of the woods yet. Is influenza A, uh, is that the, the flu, basically? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. It's a subtype of the flu. Um, I'm not sure how many people know, but the flu virus, much like many other viruses, tends to mutate every year. Mm. And so that's why the flu shot changes every year. This year, influenza A is spiking across Ontario, across Canada. And so a lot of people have been getting sick um, because it's come earlier than expected. A lot of people haven't had a chance to get their flu shots yet. A lot of people haven't been sick for a long time yet. So it's hitting us all very, very hard. Yeah. Tell me about the flu shot. Okay, I will be honest with you, Dr. Nett. I was so quick to get all of my COVID shots, everything, yeah. the, you know, the booster, it's all done. Check, check, check. Even for the mm-hmm. kids, check, check, check. But the flu shot, I mean, I've heard so many mixed things about it. And I've heard of people who've gotten the flu shot and then they get still get sick. Tell me, should I get the flu shot this year? Absolutely. Okay. And there's a really good reason why. You're right. The flu shot doesn't 100% prevent catching the flu. One, it takes about a week to kick in. So if you catch the flu the day after getting a flu shot, flu shot hasn't even had a chance to prime your immune system to be able to fight back properly. Um, The flu shot is about 50 to 60% effective against major illness, right? So yeah, you might catch the flu, but it's not going to knock you out for weeks. That's partly the problem with the flu. It's, It's not a cough and cold. Yeah. It's, it's actually much, much worse. And a lot of those people who've been through the flu are like, never again. And they get the flu shot every year. If you want to put it in perspective, the flu shot is as effective as a seatbelt. You wear a seatbelt when you drive the car. I would recommend getting a flu shot every year. And for the kids as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyone over six months, the flu shot is available. Different doses for little kids than adults, much like COVID, but it's, it's, very, it's very effective. I, I mean, I get it. My, parent, my kids were sick over the past, uh, about two weeks ago, everybody, like whatever it was, ripped through our house. Everybody had high fevers. Yeah. Um, my 12-year-old son took to his bed for like 72 hours. It was horrendous. My 11-year-old son was delirious at night from the fever. So it's scary. It is scary out there for parents. But there is stuff you can do to try and prevent illness, to try and treat illness if it goes through your house. Well, tell tell us a little bit about that. What are some of the things we can do to prevent this? Because it just seems, I know I have friends who, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's ravaged through their house as well. Yep. 
Um, so one, hand washing. Good mm-hmm. old hand washing. This is one of the best things that ever has happened um, in terms of public health. Oh. So hand washing. Um, I get my kids to stand in front of <laughs> in front of the sink and wash their hands while singing "Staying Alive." Because <laughs> it, <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that your kids know that song. <laughs> <laughs> so true on so many levels, but um, <laughs> you know, it like makes hand washing fun and reminding people, you know, if you're out and about, make sure you wash your hands. If you're not near a sink. Use hand sanitizer. Clean hands means less germs, fewer germs hitting your nose, hitting your mouth. Those are the major entry points to your respiratory system, your breathing system. So if you prevent germs from getting there, viruses and bacteria included, you're less likely to get sick. And then the other one I tell my kids to do is wear masks. Mm. We've seen through the pandemic, masks work. They do help cut down on the number of viruses you can catch. We saw it with COVID. It's equally true for every other virus under the sun, including the hundreds of viruses that cause cough and cold. Yeah. Talk to us about the difference. You know, if you're a parent sitting at home and you're like, how do I know the difference between RSV and the flu? Like my kid is going through something right now and I just don't know What's going on? How, how do you, because I, I, I'm not familiar with RSV at all. So how would you know the difference on, you know, what your child is going through? So for cough and cold, um, or just the run-of-the-mill cold. Okay. That's caused by RSV, rhinovirus, adenovirus, lots of different viruses. Your symptoms are predominantly upper airway, neck and up, right? So runny nose, sneezing. You may have a sore throat. You may have a bit of a cough, especially if you're getting stuff dropping down the back of your throat and are coughing it up. So lots of phlegm. Um, you may have facial pain, particularly if it gets into your sinuses. You, your ears might hurt. Your teeth might hurt. But it's all necking up. Yep. Right? You might get fever, and with the fever, get muscle pain. But you also might not. Okay. The flu, it's a lower respiratory illness, meaning it hits your lungs. So, yes, again, fever, check. Muscle pain, so much worse. You feel like you've been hit by a truck. Mm. Um, you have deep, deep coughs. You may have shortness of breath with, you know, normal activity. A lot of people who have the flu find they can't work out. Going up the stairs becomes a Herculean effort. Um, they're just exhausted. Like, it wipes you out. Your body goes on high alert. And brings all, brings everything to bear. So it's a lot of work for your body. You are far more likely to have consequences from the flu. The cold, right, from RSV and from other viruses, you're generally going to be sick, but you're going to get better. With the flu, you could become severely dehydrated. If If you have a complex medical history, there's a higher chance of ending up in hospital, of exacerbating those complex illnesses like COPD. And then for some people, even getting a heart attack, like having some serious complications from the flu. It is a different beast. Now, that said, RSV and babies and little kids under five, they can be hit so hard with RSV that they could end up in hospital with lower respiratory symptoms too, meaning the airways in their lungs get inflamed and react to the virus. So that can happen. Not often. But it's such a common virus that 
if it, it hits hundreds of kids, millions of kids across Ontario every year. Yeah. So that small segment of kids who end up in hospitals can be a significant number because there are millions of kids across Ontario who get this every single year. So what would be the sign then, you know, if you if you notice that your kids, you know, maybe getting a little tired, mm-hmm. um, what would be some of the signs that you want to look for for your child to make to to just detect if they do have RSV? I mean, I know that it, it hits the lungs, but what are some of the tall tale signs, maybe the first signs that, that you need to go to a, your doctor or go to the merge? So one, if parents find they can't control the fever, okay. right? The kid's getting a high fever of 39 degrees Celsius. Parents are giving them Tylenol, and I realize there's a shortage of Tylenol. There's some excellent information sheets on how to convert adult Tylenol to little kitty Tylenol and crush the tablets. Sorry, you can hear my cat in the background. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> we had a fire alarm, so it's okay. All things are good. <laughs> um, so one, if you can't control the fever. Okay. With RSV, your fever can persist for many, many days, right? More, you, more than the usual two or three days that you see with a cold. If you find your kid is lethargic and not responding, right? If your baby is not waking up the way they should be, Right? They're very, very, they're kind of dragging themselves awake or they don't wake up at all, mm. right? Even when you're, when you're touching them, shaking them. Um, if, you, if the kid won't tolerate any oral intake. So food, not as much of a big deal, but if they can't tolerate water, that is a huge yeah. risk. Yeah. If you find your kid is huffing and puffing and it's not like they're exercising, they're just sitting there and they're huffing and puffing. They're working to breathe. They're leaning over to use gravity to help them breathe. Mm. Those are all good reasons to seek medical help. And if the kid's having a hard time breathing, you should be going straight to the ER. The other stuff you can go to your family doctor for. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about this tip. I, you know, I have a, a chat with some friends and we were wondering, like, you know, you can't find Tylenol or our children's yeah. Advil on the, on the shelves. What can you do if you still can't find them on the shelves and you have adult, you know, Tylenol or Advil in your home and your child is sick? So if you have regular strength um, Tylenol at home, so I'm not talking about the extended release version. Yep. With regular strength Tylenol at home, you can actually convert it to children's Tylenol. By cutting the pill. So you need a sharp knife or a pill cutter. You need a cutting board where it's not going to slip because these are not small pills. Right. right? You want to get the pill that has the scores on it. So meaning the lines, the, the sort of etchings on it in, that turn it into fours. Yep. Okay. And then you look at the Tylenol. It's about 325 milligrams as a, a regular Tylenol dose. And then you can start cutting it up. So based on your kid's age or their weight, you can go down to 40 milligrams, which is appropriate for zero to three months. You can go down to 80 milligrams, which is appropriate for for four to 11 months. And then so on down the line, you can cut the pill into eighths. You can cut the pill into quarters. You can cut the pill in half. You can give them three quarters of a tablet or you give them, if they are over six, you can give them the full dose of Tylenol of adult Tylenol. And a lot of kids below eight are not good with swallowing pills. You can crush crush regular Tylenol and mix it up with juice um, or applesauce or bananas or whatever mushed food floats their boat. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, are you getting, I'm getting six to seven hours of sleep each (laughs) night? And we're still tired. We'll hear what Dr. Nadia has to say. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with uh, Dr. Nadia Alam, family physician. We were just talking about RSV and the flu and everything going around. And so we know that some are not getting a full night's (laughs) sleep. But for those of us that are getting our six to seven, maybe eight hours each night, and we're still waking up tired the next day, what does that mean, Dr. Nadia? Because I'm one of those people. (laughs) I was in bed at nine o'clock last night. (laughs) I'm feeling it. Oh, my God, you're so much better than I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm terrible for not getting a good night of sleep and not being disciplined enough to go to bed at a good time. But this is the key, though, Dr. Nadia. But do you wake up refreshed? Because if you're getting less sleep than I am and you're still waking (laughs) up refreshed, then there is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah, okay. I'm one of those people who bounces out of bed. Like, I'm a bit of a different beast because of my medical training. A lot of people who do shift work, they're like that. Nurses are like this. You learn to function and be happy and and bouncy, even if you've had like two hours of sleep. Yeah. Right? Some of my colleagues were on call last night. Some of the nurses I know, RTs I know, all sorts of people in the medical health profession were working through the night. And they're still going to be bouncy, if a little bit, you know, slow. Yeah. Um, they're still going to they're still going to smile and be happy in the morning. Right. Just because you start your second shift as a parent. <laughs> And And nobody (laughs) wants to interact with a cranky person, right? So you kind of feel like you have to put on a brave brave face. But okay, so you're getting, you know, you're getting the six to seven hours each Uh night and you're still waking up tired, groggy. What does that mean? So one, some people are not morning people. Yeah. They wake up in the morning. They're kind of, they feel kind of dopey. They shamble their way into the bathroom, shamble their way downstairs, grab that cup of coffee, aren't really verbal yet. I feel like (laughs) you have a hidden camera into my house because that's how I am. Are you watching me in the morning, Dr. Nadia? Yep, that's me. That's me in the morning. I tell everybody in our house, do not speak to me until I've brushed my teeth. That is. (laughs) Oh my God, Maggie, you sound so much like one of my best friends. She's very much like that. But at night, She's fantastic. Yes. She's up. She's bouncing around. I'm staring at her at nine o'clock saying, I don't even understand. Because at that point, I become nonverbal. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's that. Yeah. Now, the other thing is sometimes it can be a health issue causing this. Okay. Stress, which is incredibly common and is not a medical disease, even though it must be managed, um, can cause this. And we've all gone through about three years of extraordinary stress, extraordinary public health measures, knowing people who've been getting sick. And in the advent of social media, knowing what it's been like around the world and being afraid. So there is a lot of stress that people have gone through. I call it the pandemic effect. And we've seen this with other large scale disasters too. Going through something like this, will play, it'll have a massive impact on your sense of well-being, even if you're not depressed, even if you didn't get sick. It mm. still makes a big splash in your, in your mind, right? You, it takes up a lot of mind space and shows up. And stress can have consequences on your body, right? That's why it's so important to manage. It's not just in your head. It, right. It's actually in your body, too. It affects your immune system. That's partly why we're seeing so many coughs and colds. 
a lot of kids haven't been exposed. A lot of adults haven't been exposed for three years because of isolation. Um, but more than that, it can make you feel tired and achy mm. right? because it does impact the, the wake-up hormones in your body, the other hormones that maintain a happy, healthy you. Yeah. Um, apart from that, there are a number of medical diseases themselves that can cause fatigue. And often with those, you, you get up, you're okay, but then as you're going through the day, you kind of lose your get up and go. Um, and these can range from anemia, which is a low red blood cell count, um, all the way over to much more serious illnesses. And these do require investigation because treatment is different, right? Treatment for anemia is different from treatment for low thyroid. Symptoms are different, but they all are associated with fatigue. Now, one final thing that I should mention, I've talked about how stress affects your body mm -hmm. and your sense of well-being in the mornings. Depression and other mental health conditions can have just as profound an effect and must be treated, must be addressed. You cannot ignore your mental health, just like you shouldn't ignore your physical health. Mm. And again, this is something you should talk to your family doctor about. You should bring it up. They will not tell anyone that doctor-patient relationship is sacrosanct. As long as you're not in imminent danger of hurting yourself, everything you tell your doctor is held in confidence. Yeah. yeah. And with the doctor shortage, you know, it mm -hmm. is hard to oh, find, gosh, yes. right? Yeah. It's hard to find a doctor these days. So, you know, if, if you don't have a doctor, I guess walk, going to a walk-in clinic, I guess, would be your best bet. But are there any, like, at-home things that you can do? Are there any hacks that you have if you're still in the stages of trying to find a doctor? So, you're absolutely right, Maggie John. Um, Maggie, <laughs> finding a family doctor these days is like finding a unicorn. Um, and that has to do with a massive shortage. That has to do with a bunch of health system issues which should be pointed out to your local government yeah. as something that's really important to you. It's their job to fix it. You elected them to have that authority. You just need to let them know that this is really important to you. In the meantime, you need to focus on the four fundamental blocks of the four blocks of just maintaining health. Okay. Right? We have one minute left, Dr. Nadia. So okay. yeah, if we can get those out really quickly. Sleeping well, eating well, making sure you're active and that can include a walk and making sure you manage that stress. Mm. Now, if you have mental health concerns, there are resources out there like Bounce Back Ontario that, can, that are free, that can provide you with coaching, that can provide you with videos and education on how to maintain your health and when to seek your help, when to seek help. If you have the, the wherewithal, you can also get um, privately paid, privately funded counseling, particularly if you have a health plan. In terms of other illnesses, becomes trickier because you do need blood tests and investigations to figure out what's going on. Yep. But again, if you have a healthy diet, you should be getting a wide variety of vitamins and nutrients and minerals. So you don't necessarily have to go to a multivitamin or iron pills or B12 pills or whatnot. Right. So there's stuff you can do. There so is stuff good. you can do. So, so helpful. Thank you again, Dr. Nadia. What great information you've given us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for caring about this. This is so important, I find. Absolutely. All right. That was Dr. Nadia Alam, family physician.